Mob Talk is back this week and today we are joined by fellow ally Damien Anderson who is a non-Aboriginal bloke that also works for VACA as a youth worker. Hey, what's up Mob? Mob Talk acknowledges that today we are recording on Boonwurrung and Boonwurrung country. We would like to pay our respects to all Elders past and present. I would also like to pay my respect and acknowledgement and that this meeting is being held on lands that were never ceded. This week on Mob Talk, we are joined by the one and only Kayla Cartledge, who is the founder of Our Songlines. Join us while we talk about all things black businesses and how Kayla encourages all young Aboriginal women and young Aboriginal men to get connected into culture. Welcome back to Mob Talk with Talia Little. Thanks, Kayla, for joining us today on Mob Talk. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, my name's Talia Little. I'm a proud Arunta woman from Central Australia and I'm with Damien, who you already know. Hey, Kayla, how are you going? Hey, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. So we want to start off um, a bit about yourself, where you're from, who's your mob and how you been? Yeah, so I'm Kayla. My mob is Gurindji, so we're up north um, in Darwin. Just out of, I was born in Darwin, but we're just out of Darwin um, near Catherine. Um, we're best known for the Wave Hill Walk Off, which inspired Paul Kelly's song from Little Things, Big Things Grow. So it's very proud um, activism kind of mob that I like to think gives me motivation to keep uh, pushing and challenging the current system. Well, you're definitely pushing. Definitely pushing. <laughs> <laughs> so did you grow up in the Northern Territory? Yeah, so I was there till I was about eight and then I came here. So a lot of my really fond memories are being with my big family over there. So all the cousins and all the aunties and uncles. Yeah, lovely. So we go back. Yeah, we go back once a year, so it's, it's nice. Oh, cool. What do you do when you go back? Just like go down to all the national parks and Litchfield and just be, be with the fam. So good. They're beautiful there, all the national parks, especially all the waterfalls. I don't know what one is. Oh, do you know it's it's out of Darwin? It's, I think, Wongai Falls. Wongai Have you been Falls. there? I could be wrong. I don't know. But I don't know the names usually yeah. though. They're very cool, very cool. Have you been there, Damien? Uh, I've been to Darwin, yeah, but it was like a school camp um, many oh. years ago. you got to go. It's a beautiful place. Cool. It's super cool hot camp. Though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great experience, actually. Went all the way up through the middle, um, yeah, up to Darwin and, yeah. Mm. The, only, the only bad thing, I think, is not being able to swim in the beach because of the yeah. crocodiles. Yeah, yeah. and if you go on the beach, it's like filled with hermit crabs. Yes, there's. N- I can never find a hermit crab in Victoria. I don't know why. No. Yeah, but in Darwin, Damien, they are everywhere. Yeah, wow. Like yeah. every shell you pick up, there's a crab in it. Yeah. And they little bite your little toes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we came to Victoria, um, we they they sell hermit crabs in like the pet shops, and we were like, what? People are buying And then we ended up getting some to be like at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? My friend was saying the other day that she has some hermit crabs. People have them as pets here. That's so weird. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, so funny. Well, thanks for joining us, Kayla. Um, so you are the founder of Our Songlines. Can you just describe to everyone listening on a Mob Talk what Our Songlines is about? Yeah, Our Songlines is about uh, reinventing the way that people um, communicate or connecting with Indigenous culture. So it's really focused on um, making it a really easy place to come and learn and kind of safe area to learn about culture. So my vision for it was for allies and young people to uh, be able to immerse themselves in culture and find um, places around them, places of significance where they can go and connect in. So Kayla, when did you actually start our song lines? What what year? When did it all um, eventuate? Oh. I think it, I started with the idea. So I had the idea growing up when I would try to connect into culture. So coming from Darwin, which is like full of Aboriginal culture, you go to the airport, it's all there, it's all very clear. You connect in everywhere you go. Um, and then going to Victoria and there was absolutely nothing, um, especially where I was. Uh, we had like huge mob taken away and taken to Tasmania down here and it's only just started rebuilding on the Mornington Peninsula. So I had that in mind and I was always like there needs to be somewhere where people can go and learn about their culture around them. And that's like, so that was the idea of forming and I was always just hoping for someone else to do it. Um, and then I just kind of took it into my own hands a couple of years ago. So it was probably 2018. I started creating uh, an Indigenous map um, and I've just been working on it, doing a lot of research. And I think I formally made it a business 2019. Wow, so just, awesome. just before COVID hit, I decided to launch, uh, I was going to launch my Indigenous map, travel map. <laughs> so I held off on that one. Wow, that's cool. So do you guys run workshops or programs? Yeah, so we do um, weaving workshops. We do um, weather work, mindfulness. Uh, it's like a mindfulness practice, which is Indigenous um, values. So it's about connecting in with um, these 14 key values. It's like the sun, the moon and just appreciating sitting with the feeling and like doing a stretch exercise. It's really incredible. I love doing it. It's my favorite kind of meditation mindfulness program. Uh, we also just did our survival day, which was an event which Damo helped me with. Um, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, of yeah, course. definitely. It was shout epic. out. Yes, no, give a shout out to survival day. And- all the effort that you guys yeah. put in through our song lines. Yeah, so our Survivor Day uh, is January 26th and it's about creating a safe space for people to go to, Indigenous people and allies to go to and just uh, remember and experience culture. So it was really about embedding culture into every aspect of the day so that on a day that's um, really hard for us, we were... and we're often ignored from the day and kind of put to the side. We made it front of mind. We got everyone participating in cultural activities and it was our way of really keeping that culture alive and thriving. So how did the idea of Survival Day come about? 
We so we run a Aboriginal young people um, stakeholder group. So people who work with Aboriginal young people on the Moisha Peninsula. We host a group that kind of looks at any arising opportunities or issues and we come together and bring it up. And we flagged that um, January 26th is coming up and it's a day that there's nowhere to go. You have to go into the city uh, to be in a safe space. And we just thought with, I think, six yeah. weeks to go, <laughs> let's let's plan a safe event. <laughs> it was definitely like crunch time. It was, yeah, Kayla announced in a meeting, she's like, oh, I want to throw together a um, survival day event. Who's keen? And a few people put their hands up. And then it just rolled from there. It was like, you know, meetings once a week plus group chats on Facebook trying to get things <laughs> happening. And, um, yeah. And, you know, as a, a white fella, it was an amazing experience for me to be part of. And, you know, my family and friends got a lot out of it as well. Um, amazing feedback from um, mm. lots of lots of people, a few aunties from work. Um, yeah, it, amazing. So really big credit to our songlines and what you guys did. So... Yeah, I was surprised at um, the great feedback from the aunties and uncles. They're usually the um, <laughs> biggest critics and they, they were all really happy with it. So I was glad that we managed to do, do it justice and create that space. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important that we have something like that down on the Mornington Peninsula because often I, you know, everything's a, pro- a process and there's always progress, but often I I live on the Mornington Peninsula and I go places and there's not really that many culturally safe spaces. Um, I think the Mornington Peninsula is slowly catching up to the city um, yeah. and that's really awesome that you guys could put something on for Aboriginal people down here and non-Aboriginal people who stand, you know, stand with us. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it sold out twice. So we we had um, 200 tickets available. It sold out and we doubled it to 400 and that sold out too. So it just shows that people are wanting to go and find these spaces and hopefully yeah. that will put pressure on, on bigger, more financially savvy so 2020 organization no 2022 yeah, yeah. 20 2022 survival day bigger yeah. and better yeah. than ever yeah we're yeah. looking forward to it so you've got this great program this great company our song lines how did you get to this spot did you do study like what was your journey yeah i did do study so i did a double degree uh, property and real estate and then commerce analytics so <laughs> it was really, really that just helped me build my confidence up and, you know, start learning how to educate myself better. Um, at school, I kind of was drawn away from education because I didn't like what they were saying, basically. So, I, you know, I didn't see myself in any of the teachers. I didn't see myself in any of the books that we were reading. I just couldn't relate to it. So I didn't have time for it. Um, and then it wasn't until I took took it into my own hands that I kind of was able to grow in that space and then mature and able to kind of create these businesses that are making big impacts. So, well, that's yeah, like um, self-determination per- right there, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Full-blown, like, that's in, in front of us. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Did you, what you know, what high school did you go to? I went to Padua College. 
Oh, so, so in Mornington, yeah. Like in... Uh, the Rosebud. So I went to the little Rosebud campus and then I went up to Mornington. Did you feel like as a young Aboriginal person there was a lot of support there being Aboriginal? No, not really. So it was, I think me and my sister were the only Aboriginal kids at um, Padra Rosebud. So there was no where to link in there. Um, there was definitely teachers who would try, you know, go out of their way to like give me books or something to read that would, that I could kind of connect in with. And like, but it takes a special kind of teacher to be that person. Um, but yeah, there was definitely those ones who would pull me aside and be like, okay, this is good. And what movie could we watch and stuff like that, which is really nice. Yeah, it's always nice as a young Aboriginal person to have that non-Aboriginal person because, you know, most of the population here is non-Aboriginal to kind of go out of their way and make you feel special or make you feel like they're interested and, and not from a bad way, from a from a nice point of view. Yeah, because it, it often can go the other way where, like, I talk to young people all the time and they feel like they're the person that their teacher goes to for all the information and they feel overwhelmed and underqualified and like they've got this huge weight on them. And so it's like a really deadly, and I don't mean that in the, in the cool, in the cool way. I mean, it's the other way where it's, um, it's quite overwhelming mix that you can put onto young people who are still trying to find their culture as well. Yeah. And identity. Yeah. And I know yeah. sitting in on a few of the meetings that we've sat in in the past, um, it's been, yeah, really identified that there's no or not all that much on the offer down the southern end of the peninsula where we live um, as far yeah. as offering culture and recognition and truth-telling and stuff like that. What sort of future would you like to pursue and have, have see, um, you know, in Victoria but especially down, you know, our way down the peninsula like for young mob and you know for people to learn and grow what would you what was your what's your vision well i'd like to see more aboriginal teachers in the schools so um i'd really like to see that education in there and more of the steiner school structure i really respect how they use you know the earth elements and that kind of thing to teach in a different way um I often go into schools, I get asked to go into schools and just do, you know, a quick look at what they're doing and where they're going wrong. And it's often the textbooks and things like that where they've just got, the only Aboriginal textbook would be um, one where there's a negative Indigenous stereotype in the book. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, you need to take that out, put something else in, I can recommend you hit books. And they're like, it's a three-year process. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's not good enough. Yeah, you no. need to be more agile. You need to be able to challenge these, um, you know, these social norms that you accept that it'll take three yeah. years to get a yeah. racist book out of curriculum. Well, okay, so three years, you're not going to have any of those students engaged. And that's three generations, those lines, learning those behaviours mm. and learning those um, words and knowledge around the negative part of you know, um, approach to Aboriginal people. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. We do need to be more on top of these things. And I think that 
people in these schools need to take it upon them and it is their responsibility as a teacher to give these children the best education they can and to to acknowledge our history and acknowledge how far aboriginal people have come today in this in this world walking in two worlds you know so yeah i think that's really important as well yeah so just really getting the truth telling out there learning about the culture and stuff I heard um, Lydia Thorpe just recently did a really powerful speech in Parliament where she was saying um, children aren't born racist, they're they're learning it from their government. Hmm. And I was just like, that is it, that's it summed up, isn't it? The highest of the high. It's like... Yeah, it's it's full on. Like I have uh, a bunch of non-Aboriginal friends who I've had to educate and take it upon myself, but... The things that they were saying, I I had someone make a comment to me about um, Aboriginal people petrol sniffing and I turned to them and I said, do you know what that means? Do you know the context around that? Do you know why they were doing that? No. Well, that's learnt behaviour because you don't actually know any Aboriginal people beside me. So how would you, you know, and they've been learning Mm -hmm. that from their parents or their grandparents or their environment. So if we come in and stop that at a young age, then they're growing up to be more open and more loving and more caring and understanding and to celebrate our culture. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how much bias is embedded in into people, how much they pick up without realising they're picking up. I, I, was, I, was taught, I was in a cultural awareness training and I heard um, a fact that I hadn't heard before and it was um, that when uh, we were being colonised to begin with, um, they they stopped people from using their bush medicines and stuff like that. So we, we already know, you know, they weren't allowed to eat their usual food. Um, they weren't allowed to speak language. But they actually took away bush medicine and then gave them alcohol to medicate. So they actually enforced that upon us and then they're giving us the stereotype of drug, you know, drunks. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. No, yeah. Where is the, you know, ownership of those actions? You wouldn't, you don't read about it, you don't know about it. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's where they need to be more progressive and more, um, more of a compulsory about truth-telling in schools and everything. It should, you know, it should be part of the curriculum, you know, this whole story of Captain Cook and all that sort of glorification, especially growing up. You know, I was born in 1981 and it's it's now it's different to what it was then, but it's like, you know, the story that you're taught in schools then, it's completely and utterly crap. It's it's nothing Mm. is right about it. And that's where now, you know, people like yourself and Talia and all these young mob, you know, have the opportunity, you have the brains, you have you know, everything behind you that you, you can change the game and you actually are doing it, which is great to see. Yeah, it's really empowering to see um, how far young mob are going and how much they're just challenging those stereotypes and that image. It's so empowering to be in a room full of people like that. Yeah, and I think the most important thing is education. I mean... If you're not educated, how are you meant to know? If you're a non-Aboriginal person that grows up in a family um, or in a school that isn't being educated or isn't teaching education around Aboriginal people, how are you meant to know? 
you know, you are meant to go out and educate yourself, but as a really young person, you're not really aware of what's going on. So then those thoughts are embedded into how you act and how you feel. And then from there on, it's kind of your choice on where you want to go. Yeah, exactly right. And I was watching the documentary um, in in My Blood at Rums. Have you seen that? It follows um, a young boy who's uh, a traditional healer, so he has the healing powers. Um, and he, it shows him going through school. And the it's meant to be a really safe school where they're teaching culture and they sit they're doing a story time and they're doing a dream time story and they're reading it out the teacher to the young kids and she's going through it and she's like oh dream time who knows what that is I don't get that like oh who knows like it's like well I'm glad you get it like really mocking the values and stuff and the young boy is sitting there and he's like oh but that's that's true. And she's like, oh, no. So and this is the teacher. The teacher. Yeah, wow. Is this the documentary about the young bloke, the young boy from um, Alice Springs? Are you yeah. talking about that documentary? Yeah. And it um it also focuses on uh, young boys in, in incarceration. Is that what it also is? Yeah, well, the, the whole fear of making him go back to school is, oh, your cousin was in incarceration like go like talk to them about it because this will happen to you they'll take you away from me so the the kids are growing up in a like they're with their parents and their fear is that the kid's going to reject school and then the only path is for him to get taken away or go to jail and it really focuses on that it's so terrifying because then he's sitting in this class getting read his history his you know customs and they're mocking it and it's meant to be a culturally safe school yeah wow doesn't sound safe at all (laughs) no not not even the slightest bit and i mean that's in Mm. the northern territory so you'd think that um culture is being safely embedded but there's still a lot of systemic racism up there oh yeah and you'd think it wouldn't be because it's like there's culture everywhere but there's just so much Compared yeah. to, well, not compared to down here, but Victoria is a lot more progressive, I'd say, um, than the Northern Territory. Oh, yes and no. I find it really difficult just trying to explain, trying to um, work with people on changing their viewpoints. Like they might sound or say the right things, but when it comes down to the crunch, who are they promoting? Who are they listening to? You know, it's, it's not, they can't change their viewpoints. Mm. So what do you, in terms of our song lines, what are you doing with young people to get them more connected to culture? I know you have a lot of programs that you run, but what mm-hmm. is what has been the best program that has worked out for you guys so far? So our, our key with young people is mentoring. So we try to tailor it to the young person. So um, we work with Vic Police and everything like that um, and they identify young people who they think you know might be disengaging from school so we work with the Kessos and like with um, schools themselves and we look at what that young person's interested in and try to connect them with a mentor that works for them so if they're into bush foods we'll go to someone like um, Lionel Louch from Living Culture and connect them into 
going out bush and just walking and it's it's not really about educating or anything educating in a traditional white sense I should say um it's about just getting them in touch with history and building up that confidence that pride which will allow them to go back into school and shake things up yeah (laughs) nice do you often have any young people that come to you themselves um no not really that come to us themselves they reach out but so we've got a young person who really wants to connect in with culture and doesn't know how so that's a really big that's a common thing uh, where they they just don't know where they're going or what to do like they might not have any they might be foster and not have an aboriginal parent or sibling and like they're the odd one out and they want to connect in so it's mainly referral um, but we're also starting to get into the schools and sit in the schools and get them to approach us that's awesome so in terms of black businesses you're a black business or a um, company I guess you would say and you're doing a lot Mm -hmm. of really cool things do you see enough promotion for black businesses around the Mornington Peninsula or do you think there needs to be more you wouldn't know them, would you? No, well, that's I, why. I'm, I yeah, that's why I'm asking. I actually, well, that's a good, that's a good point. I'm, I don't really know. I'm Aboriginal, and I don't really know that many Aboriginal businesses. Yeah. yeah so unless it's, um, you know, someone tells you about them, you don't really know what business is out there. There's definitely space for, you know, local government to promote and show what the businesses are out, that are out there but you I never knew and it might have been that you know growing up there wasn't any but now there's some really amazing businesses out there that we just don't know about and that's why like young people won't come directly to me they don't know me yeah what are three off the top of your head if you can I know I'll put you in yeah. your spot what are three of your favorite black businesses out at the moment just on the Mornington Peninsula or just let's do general? from let's do three from the Mornington Peninsula because we're based on Bunurong country. So we'll do three yeah. from this country and then, you know, a couple from Melbourne or one or two. Yeah. So I love living culture. I'm always their biggest rep. I think, well, they've got heaps of fans, but yeah. <laughs> um, the team at living culture, they do weaving, they do bush activities, they do guided walks super knowledgeable, super inclusive. They will, they have all the time in the world for people. So I absolutely adore them. Everyone there, they're incredible. Super down to um, earth and knowledgeable as well. Unbelievable. We've actually had Lionel on the podcast. I think yeah. he was on our first. Yeah. Our first or second, Lionel, a second yeah. guest. Yeah. And he's awesome. We love Lionel. Yeah. Everyone loves Lionel. He's <laughs> such a beautiful soul. How could you not? <laughs> exactly. Um, and they were at our survival day. I'm going to use our survival day. So then we've got Kui uh, Cafe, who are an Indigenous business down in Rosebud. They do food. Um, amazing also, food, amazing burgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They also do Jala Jala treats, which is like a really delicious chocolate, um, which infuses bush uh, foods in there. So it's like um, Pacadu plum and white chocolate. So good. 
Uh, so Sharon is ahead of that and she's just an amazing strong woman lead, which I can always get around. <laughs> um, and let's do Ballet Arts. So they were also at Survivor Day. They, um, they're so cool. They do heaps of really artsy um, projects. So they were doing clay animals at Survival Day. Um, they also tour Australia presenting all their artworks. They do jewellery, um, painting, everything you can think of. And people yeah. can go into Bella Arts and purchase um, yeah, direct from them, can't they? Yeah, so they've got a little shop um, in the front of their um, workspace. So there's lots of different artists going there and make things and they can put it up for sale in the shop, which is really cool. Um, you can also just take your items with you, but they also have great exposure. So for those artists that are up and coming who want, you know, a safe place to learn to use the materials that they've got, you can sign up to be a member and you can use all of their art supplies and then sell, sell your stuff. And they've got a Instagram page so they can get your art out there. It's really good. Um, especially for young people to kind of uh, experiment and Yeah, I was just thinking from... that that could be a great pathway for, for some of our young people to go and, you know, learn about culture and art and then, you know, have the opportunity to have it displayed and possibly sold there. Yeah. One of yeah, our exactly. VACA workers does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jem? Oh, I didn't know Jem did it, but um, Julie from the Dandenong office, she sells her artwork there. No. She goes and makes earrings. So that's really cool. That's an example of someone who does it. Yeah. Mm. I've gone in there and played around. I don't sell my stuff because I'm not very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. You're good at you're good at this. You're good at your company. You're good at promoting <laughs> black businesses. So we'll say that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. What my, about what about Melbourne businesses? Melbourne. Um, I like so there's have you heard of Truffle Lane? I'm not sure if they're no. a black business as such but they um it's like a it's a restaurant and they use bush foods and things like that but they actually train up indigenous young people to come in and learn to be chefs or you know work in the restaurant so they're doing really good work there it's like a really nice social enterprise wow so Um, i have never heard of that is it tribal lane did you say charcoal 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 oh no i have heard of charcoal lane yeah yeah, I think they were going. We're going to try and get them on our last camp that got co- postponed for COVID, but they were going to come and do a big cook up one night for us for for our young people to experience all the wow. Um, yeah, different is it tasty run, treats. Is it run by Aboriginal people? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure like the head people are Aboriginal, right? But I'm not sure if it's an Aboriginal business. Same here, do you know? Um, I think it is. I'm pretty sure. Oh, there you go. Well, either way, it's an awesome idea. That's really cool. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, really cool. Um, And then Clothing the Gap. So they've just, yeah, they've just set up in Melbourne somewhere. Sydney Sydney Road. Yeah, Brunswick, Brunswick, Sydney Road. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Um, And I love their merch. It's a lot of puns and fun clothes. So, and they've got a whole group of young Indigenous people that they've just employed for their um, shop. And I think Brianna, who was playing at our Survival Day, 
is one of their ambassadors. Oh, wow. Nice. Mm. Well, we love Clothing the Gap. We actually had Lena from, she's the head of Impact at Clothing the Gap, come on the podcast with us and she was great to talk to and we were all really excited because what they're doing is just awesome. Like they've just made such an impact through fashion. Who would have known? Just simple tees and good slogans and stuff. It's really Yeah, they're nurses by trade, aren't they? They're what, sorry? They're nurses by trade, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're health workers. Like their their whole, um, before they were clothing the gap, their whole purpose was to run health programs and fitness programs and stuff like that. And then initiative was to, you know, design cool clothing, bring people in, and then just their fashion business blew up. So, yeah, yeah, people generally know them as a clothing shop, not a health business. Yeah. Which they still are. But they've brought heaps of awareness to the Free the Flag movement Mm -hmm. and incredible stuff. Yeah. And not the date to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was awesome. That was an awesome Mm. campaign. So are we looking to see more programs run by you? Like not programs, but you've, you've helped out with Survival Day is there a NADOC thing coming up? How far how far in advance do you guys plan? <laughs> six weeks. Half six weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> weeks. Yeah. We've got 24 hours. People are going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I get in trouble for that. So I am trying to be more strategic with my planning. Um, but the next thing on the cards for me is like a healing workshop. I think after seeing all of the pain and stuff that's brought on by our survival day, um, moving into that space of like rebuilding, healing, um, yeah, rejuvenating basically. So that's where I want to focus energy on now. But no, I never planned heaps in advance. Well, six weeks. Yeah, now with COVID though, like, you know, the unknown of are we, can we plan, can we do this and... Yeah, what's around mm. the corner? Well, you could have a big event planned and then the next day it's gone. Really, that's Can't the reality know. of the life that we live in now. Mm. So six I'm weeks is a good... thought that the good Prime time. Minister likes. Yes, <laughs> that is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it what the tennis or something? They're talking about like 450,000 people coming through the gates for that and it's like, dude, you know, everyone was kicking up about the the Black Lives Matter rally and then you've got all these yuppies that mm-hmm. just can go driving their Porsches to the tennis and, you know. Yeah. yeah. I was furious last year when the AFLW was cancelled for the grand final and then a couple of weeks later the, the male AFL was just ahead, going ahead. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's really interesting. Mm. Also, women's rights. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, tell us about that then, Kayla. Like, you, what's what's the drive behind women's rights? And you know, have you seen that there's been um, throughout history an uneven playing field with that? What what's what brings on that kind of? Um, yeah. Yeah. Fire I think just the all in our in our leadership, all we see is male-dominated industries men grooming men to take their place um men's you know golf days and stuff being a normal thing but if like women went to do a spa day how that would look i just i'm 
all about equality and yep. fairness. Mm-hmm. And when I say that stuff, it just, even just the language we use around women is really disgusting. Yeah. So, um, so say, yeah. oh, sorry, Tiles. Say to like, you know, the young mob, the women growing up, what, what would be a message to you to empower them to not, you know, to, to stand up strong and, you know, like be at the amazing woman that, you know, that they are entitled to be and that they um, historically would have been pre-colonialisation and things, you know? Because as you mm-hmm. said then, they, that all this language gets thrown around and stuff. Like what, what would be a message for you for our young wi- female listeners in particular, you know, as a strong Yeah, well, Indigenous, Indigenous culture was um, female run. So we naturally had the women deciding on when men were able to become men and we were the head of the families and did the um we connected all the dots and and that came from our natural abilities of love kindness fairness uh and just giving people a fair go like they were seen as the strong qualities and that's what i would say young people need to focus on moving forward you don't have to be take on the masculine qualities of, you know, aggress, aggression, assertiveness, that kind of, those kind of qualities that are celebrated in leadership. We can move forward with our qualities, feminine qualities, which are extremely powerful, extremely uplifting. It's who you'd want to comfort you and bring you up, you know, your, your mothers and that safety, that's what I see leadership as being in the future. I don't see it as being this, you know, dog and cat, you know, fighting kind of negative energy. And I'm not saying that all males are that. I'm just saying the natural qualities of women is nurturing and bringing people up naturally in their strengths. And I think that that's something that is needed in leadership. That's even culturally. I mean... In Aboriginal culture, in our culture, women are, well, we're the creators, we're the, we're the main part of our culture, we're very respected and it's in this um, day and age, I guess you could kind of say a stereotype of an Aboriginal family is the man beating the wife and then being drunk and stuff like that and there's not a lot of respect and in, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to see how that's changed but I guess, you know, it's good that we've got companies like you to promote that and women like you a strong aboriginal women for young women young aboriginal women to look up to no oh, thank you no that's okay what's um oh stop it um the <laughs> you know but seriously we need more young um confident aboriginal women to stand up and say you know we're proud we've got no shame and mm. we're not gonna we're not gonna take any any shit really shouldn't swear but yeah. we're not going to take any shit we're going to be proud and we're going to be proud of who we are yeah exactly right and we create oh i was listening to someone say if elon musk could create life like create a baby everyone would be like oh my god elon musk he's created a baby and we just do it like every day mm. <laughs> well like, i think we're, throughout we're born all, like this. all indigenous <laughs> histories you know it was always the women you know, it's the mother, Mother Earth, Mother, you know, always that until, you know, the last however many thousands, hundreds of years, not that, it's, it's changed that way where it's all male dominated and, 
you know, probably um, I think you guys are taking it back, you know, taking it back to what it, it can be and should be about equality and um, feminine energy, you know. It, it's something about it that is really needed in this sort of modern society we're living in that, you know, as you said, it's so male-dominated and politics, sport, media, you know, unfair wages within organisations, you know, women not getting mm -hmm. paid as much, you know, it doing similar roles or same roles and stuff like that. You know, it's something that, you know, for you guys inspiring all these young mob, it's amazing to see and I think it's something that in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years you guys are going to be the elders that are moving forward with all this type of stuff. Elders? I'm young, Damien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. No, that's really cool. I like that the, that phrase, feminine energy. That's pretty powerful. Mm. It's from Sampa's song, actually. Sampa oh, really? Effect. Yeah, that's cool. That is really cool. So you've got our song lines. You've done a whole bunch of programs. You're organising events. What's some advice you can give to Aboriginal young people and non-Aboriginal people about how to get connected into our culture and how to learn? I think um, for non-Aboriginal people, it's about um, coming in, knowing your privileges, knowing your bias and being open to learning a new kind of side of things. It's really um, confronting when you start digging and you realise the history that's there. A lot of the stuff I don't put on my page because it's too confronting and I don't want people to stumble upon it without having a safety circle. So I won't actually put up traumatic his history bits. I'll keep it very generalised um, for people because it is quite traumatic and you just don't know what situation people are in. Um, but I think first step for everyone is Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu. And then there's a, um, there's a junior dark emu. I think everyone can learn so much from that. It looks at um, diary entries from colonisers and their experiences interacting with Indigenous people. Uh, it's a really good view of first contact and those kind of things. And they go into quite, quite um, significant detail about the tools and the equipment that and how how well managed the land was and you know the farming practices and the science and mm. everything that you know has been um denied um mm. acknowledgement to the aboriginal people of australia that you know they they were the first of everything the first of the astrologers the first of this bush tucker science and medicines and stuff and you know as mm -hmm. what you were saying earlier, all that stereotypical stuff of, you know, oh, they drink and this and that. And it's like, well, no, there's so so much rich history and you, all of that has been um, swept under the carpet almost in a sense of taking the power away from what, what knowledge they had and have been able to pass on, you know, still to this day yeah. being passed on by people like Lionel, people like yourself, you know, and that's where... Um, I think as a non-Indigenous person, you know, I, as I said earlier, you know, in primary school you kind of grow up with the understanding of Captain Cook and all that and you don't learn about all of that rich history which is identified in Bruce's book. I'm only like halfway yeah. through it or something. It's on 
bedside table with a bunch of other books that I never get up to reading. But yeah, from <laughs> what I've read, like about halfway through, it's just been so powerful. You know, even the fact of like the land here it was soft dirt because of the all the soft poor animals that were pre mm-hmm. um, horses and pre you know cattle stamping it all down and things just that sort of stuff is just so amazing yeah well really interestingly um the with the fires that happened just before covid um bruce pascoe's um own property his own farming land was part of the fires um his all of his stock is completely rejuvenated because he was using indigenous seeds Um, and farming Indigenous uh, plants that are used to that kind of conditions. Drought tolerant, don't need pesticides. Drought tolerant. We're used to getting burnt and coming back, being rejuvenated from the the fire burning. So it's just just clever agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, that knowledge needs to be out there though. Like a lot of people wouldn't know that that happened. A lot of people need to start listening to our people to learn these practices before they're all gone because there's only a limited amount of – there's a massive amount of Aboriginal people with knowledge but traditional knowledge that people have actually grown up and lived and breathed about our land and, you know, about our plants and our culture and our healing and stuff like that. We need to start um, including and really acknowledging that knowledge before yeah it's too late well Mm. i'm a believer big believer that indigenous people all around the world will be able to lead the way to um changing climate change you know i think if we can look Mm. to them towards the future and get an eye the the understanding of their understanding of the land that that will be one way that we'll be able to actually actually hopefully reverse it and you know make some actual changes you know caring for country and everything like that it's something that, yeah, the government, I think, needs to definitely, you know, look into and get land management, especially in Australia, by Aboriginal people, 100%. Hey, but don't forget what Scott Morrison said. Wasn't too flash for the people on the boats either. <laughs> Did you hear that, Damien? Nah, I oh. tried to not listen to anything don't. that I says. Do you know what I'm talking about, Kayla? Yeah. 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 Absolute idiot. It was about Australia Day. That oh, really? he said that um, the people on the boats didn't have it too flash either. Coming over. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So, so you like, know, they're, they're a bit of a moment for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the violin out for old Scotty. But anyway, what is some advice you can give to young Aboriginal people wanting to get involved? Um, I think it's all about connecting in with each other, uh, forming those really strong networks. I've got a really strong network of young Indigenous people who are making real change and just being re-inspired by them when things get tough is is a huge, huge win. I think networking and community is where we're going to find our strengths again. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Kayla. We've honestly had the best time talking to you. I feel even more educated about black businesses, which is something um, Mob Talk is wanting to take on to promote Aboriginal businesses within our podcast. Um, Chuck us a follow on Instagram to stay connected um, with us and to see our content. And we'll, yeah, thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, I'd like to definitely say a big thanks as well. And as a, you know, white fella ally, it's it's great to have met you and networked with you and learnt from you and seen um, how inspiring you are for mob and community and the people on the peninsula. It's a really, a, yeah, an absolute attribute to you and all the effort and time that you put in. It's really great. I think that... Um, Aw, thanks. Yeah, I think for the future of, yeah, Aboriginal people, you know, people like you are, are kicking goals and doing it for doing it for all mob and inspiring young mob so yeah keep going thank you yeah thank you thanks, so much Kayla. for having me all right awesome well i'm sure we'll see you soon at an event or well damien will probably be organizing it with you six weeks before <laughs> yeah i'd love to jump on board and do something again <laughs> okay well thanks kayla thank you Take bye care. see ya bye. So if you've enjoyed Mob Talk this week, please don't forget to share it to all your friends, family, mob, communities to get us out there. Chuck us a follow on our new Instagram, mobtalk underscore podcast. And we'll see you when we're talking all things mob next time. And we'll see you when we're talking all things mob next time.